Welcome to Bringing Reading Back, a podcast where myself and my two co-hosts dive a bit deeper into some of our favorite books, as well as finally crack open a few that have been gathering dust a bit too long on our internal and actual bookshelves. So join us as we hopefully make a few more friends and rediscover our love of reading. And remember, this is not your mother's book club. Disclaimer, there will be spoilers in this and every other podcast episode. Thank you and enjoy. Hey all and welcome to Bringing Reading Back. I'm Tori here with my co-hosts Jade and I'm Danielle. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about B.A. Paris's Behind Closed Doors. A little bit of a trigger warning, disclaimer. Behind Closed Doors details heavily or deals heavily with mental and psychological abuse as well as uh, some pretty intense domestic abuse situations. So if that is something that you struggle with or... um, are triggered by, please maybe skip this and go listen to one of our other episodes that hopefully will be available. So yeah, Jade, why did you pick this book? So actually, my mother-in-law bought it from my classroom library. It is more marketed towards young adult fiction, surprisingly enough, but I read it because I don't, I don't read everything that's on my shelf, to be honest, but I picked the best ones, and this one sounded really good. Um, it kind of sounded suspenseful and just it said enough on the back cover to to intrigue me without giving away the ending and then I always read the end of the books first and so I read the last page and I was like oh goodness what does this even mean I was super lost and so I had to read the whole thing and that's how you know that's how I know I'm going to read a book is uh if I like the last page so I love that you read the last page first that just makes my husband hates that makes me so happy so, uh, I believe Behind Closed Doors is a 2017, 2017 no- novel, I think. I think it has pretty good ratings. Do you have any information about B.A. Paris or anything like that before we jump into it? Um, it's actually a 2016, but no, I don't have any specific knowledge about B.A. Paris, unfortunately. But one thing I found interesting, and this might just be me being... <laughs> um, reading between the lines, is if you, if I'm correct, she had, like, a dedication and who she wrote it to, and there's no, like, man mentioned, and then in one part, oh, where'd it go? I guess I have the online copy right now, because I'm letting a fellow teacher actually borrow my physical copy, but, um, she, like, went on, like, a whole story about, you know, thanks to all these people for helping me, and I was just like, there's no husband in here, so I was curious, but I don't know anything, there is no history. I have no I have no information. I'm saying nothing about BA Paris. I'm just speculating and making conspiracy theories. So Okay, so um let's get down to some character discussions. Anybody wanna start on Grace? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll start. Grace Harrington, now Grace Angel. Um I don't know, she's like she's a very soft character when you get started, like You see her in, like, a position of, like, not having authority and not having, like, too much of a backbone. But then through her relationship with her sister Millie and, like, fighting for her sister and, I think, for Millie, you know, giving her a little bit of that boost, um, she becomes, like, this really strong character who gets out of a situation that's super, super shitty, right? Like, she's locked in a room 99% of... Her life, essentially, after she marries Jack and can only get out whenever he lets her out. And she still finds a way to, you know, at the end of the day, get out of the situation and, and kill him. So she's, she's like a heartbreaking character because I think like anybody could be her, but. Yeah, she's a character who seems to have it all together and have it all figured out whenever you see her from outside of their home. Like she seems to be the perfect wife and this perfect lady and... As you dig deeper into the book, you kind of see her, you see what a sharp mind that she has, even though she's been stuck in captivity for, I want to say it was like 370 plus days. Um, Mm -hmm. She mentions it at one point, it was like over a year she's been 
basically been held prisoner. And you just see how resilient she is whenever things that she loves are taken from her and she's put into these horrific situations that no one should ever have to go through. Um, you just really, truly see how strong she is. And I think that's amazing. Uh, so I really um, admire Grace's dedication to Millie. I think that would be really hard, especially when you were uh, basically put in a position at such a young age to take care of a sibling, especially one that has developmental disorders. Um, so I, I can commend her on that. Definitely, it's it's where my respect comes uh, for her, but I'm going to play a little bit of the... Ugh opposite side I just had no strong connection to Grace like I felt throughout the book oh well, at first I'm like this she's like this kept kept housewife and immediately you do realize that something's kind of off but she just seems like so compliant and of course after days and days and days and months of of conditioning and of of course her struggles I can feel for of course but I just feel like especially as we started to get the background a little more filled out I saw so many instances where if I were in this situation I would have freaked out (laughs) especially when Jack gives her an ultimatum when they're on their way to Thailand and she just is like of course Jack we're going to Thailand I'm like you (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I do have a lot of respect and and I feel a lot, a lot of sympathy for her, especially because she has to endure this psychological abuse and physical abuse. But for some reason, it just her character and I don't know if it was the writing or what. I just did not connect with Grace from the beginning until basically she is in Thailand the second time. And then I'm finally like, yeah, finally. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can understand that and i think also at the beginning like she has as we're learning like her story with jack and everything that went on there it's kind of like a disney princess situation like you want to go out elsa on her and be like you can't marry a man that you Mm -hmm. just met that you know nothing about you know nothing about his family you know nothing he killed his own mother and that doesn't come out until their honeymoon i don't know he was so adamant about meeting her family it just seems like she jumped in very quickly. doesn't even seem like she asked. But also I can see how. So for me, yeah. like I said, I really have respect for her in some sense and sympathy for her. But I think my, like the reason I at first immediately started to just be like, what the hell's up with her is because she's older. She's not a young, she's not young. As these red flags start to appear i just it sucks that she's written in a way that she just writes it off instead of diving a little deeper or just making these making these very premature and immature decisions i feel like well i think part of it can be said is like paris specifically writes her character so that she has not dated that much she's in her mid-30s she's never dated that much the one guy she was serious with stopped talking to her after Millie came in the picture. So I think she's just so overwhelmed with a want for it to work out that there's this guy, it's six months, he's perfect, but most of all, he loves Millie. So it doesn't, those red flags like show up, but she's so like, her biggest Mm -hmm. red flag is like that they don't want Millie and he wants her. We find out later for more reasons than one, right? But he loves Millie. So like her biggest red flag, her biggest concern can be checkmarked like it's taken care of so the other red flags are easily dismissed so yeah i think that's important too to her character yeah i think that that's that's great to point out yeah well and whenever there's this quote that i love and i've used it so many times but whenever you have on rose-colored glasses the red flags just look like Mm. black and so i think that's also something because she is she's living a dream Mm -hmm. and so whenever you're in that dream even the things that might tip you off, they don't. So I think that's also something something worth pointing out. Either way, like, I would never want to be in her situation. It mm-hmm. just... Right. It's horrifying, the things that she had to go through. So... And it just seems like she and has been like, this independent woman. She's made a life for herself. She's, like, super successful in her career. She takes care of her sister. I mean, she's basically been 
on her own with her sister for since she was a teenager with some support from her parents but not much it just seems so unrealistic not unrealistic but it just seems i'm like flabbergasted by the fact that she's just like okay i'll quit my job okay i'll sell my house i don't know okay i was just like what are you thinking (laughs) no i definitely agree like i was i was definitely like what like what in goodness name would make you fucking do that you know like but again i think it's just like there's a rush of emotion and maybe we don't get an explanation because the intro is so short because i think paris is wanting to get to the good stuff so maybe there was an argument about her quitting but we just think to see it i don't know yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's just like well, my rational like side of me. Manipulator. I just am like, ignore your emotions, just think things over, which is not always the best either. But that side of me <laughs> is just like, what the heck are you doing, lady? Sorry, Daniel, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Well, and he's also um, a master manipulator. So True. in those battles, like he knows how to, he's figured her out quickly enough that he knows what to say to win her around and I think that this idea like he's wealthy and this idea that her sister is going to be taken care of like he's going to pay for her school he's going to make sure that she's comfortable so he says right for the rest of her life it's huge because her sister is her motivation for everything so I'm with you I was also like my rational side going why are you doing this what's wrong with you it's like that same side of you that screams at the person to not go look downstairs Mm -hmm. in a horror movie of course, I've never really watched a horror movie, so I can't say that. But, like, you know what I mean. It's that person who's, like, that part of Yeah, like, I do. Don't be stupid. And kudos for her for figuring out the whiskey stuff. That was awesome when she tricked him into drinking whiskey with her for days and held out on eating food. I mean, that that would have taken some some guts. Oh, yeah. Her willpower is amazing. And I wish we had spent more time delving into her grit a little bit because she has. Right. So I wish we could have. It makes me sad that a couple of places she was painted as a lame duck when instead she was very fiery. Um, and I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that at the beginning. But whenever it came out at the end, it like came out in full force. Right. With that, it came out in full force against Jack Angel. So let's uh, let's delve into this masterpiece of a character. <laughs> I just have groans of frustration. Before we talk about this character, I, I just like to say, my poor husband had to hear me screaming and ranting at this book. I got part of the way through it and I slammed it shut, and I basically told him that I know this person isn't real, but I feel like someone needs to take a rusty bread knife, saw off his genitalia, and stuff it down his throat. Like that was that was kind of the sentiment of where I was at. I hate this character. He is a complete and total just asshole. Yeah. Like I just can't. I cannot. <laughs> you can't say asshole on a podcast, Dania. <laughs> Stink. <laughs> oh no, get the bleeper. I was tell I was telling last night whenever we were getting ready, like I was talking about the book, and I was like, you know what? They're just gonna have to if get out the bleeper because. I don't curse very often, but this man <laughs> is enough of a whack job. He's got you fired up. Like, He's got you fired up. He's got you cursing. He's, oh. <laughs> oh, it was real bad. I was, yeah. I'm still very angry. I'm just going to sit over here now and sip my sip my drink and fume. <laughs> okay, so I just need to know his. So we can 10 out of 10. I just need to know his person. connections because he, unless he lied, which is, of course, very well possible. He gets away with murder, he moves to a new country, he assumes a new identity, becomes the town's greatest prosecuting attorney, I guess. So who is he? Who does he know? Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. And like, they're in, um, they're like outside of London. I'm very curious on how easy it is to completely change your identity, right? get a new name, and go through law school so that your bar has your fake name on it. How does one do that? How is that even humanly possible? Right. Well, I'm curious if, so his, when he was a kid, his dad is the one who got blamed for his mom's murder. So Mm. if, if, if he had been given the blame, it would have all been a lot harder. But since his dad was the one who ultimately took the fall and the the prison time, 
he probably didn't have it too hard and could have made ex- like he had to change his name for safety purposes. Yeah, yeah. Could be. And yeah, he could have just know, legally changed his name and distance himself or something. So well, that makes sense. And if you're a manipulative piece of crap and you go into the registry office and say, "Hey, my father did this," and you know, I just this last name causes me so much pain. I want to change it to something else. If you give them that sob story, people are probably going to just let you do what you want, which is not what it should be. But like, if you play on those emotions. Yeah, so that makes sense. The fact that he's never lost a case kind of gets me. Where is he planting evidence? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does he only take (laughs) cases that he thinks that he can win? I mean, uh, he just seems like such a big shot, you know, lawyer. I just, that kind of seems a little unrealistic to me, but of course it's it's a uh, not true story, but. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the law firm insight onto this man, Tori. Well, I mean, if he's just taking cases on domestic assault victims, it's very strange because, I, I mean, he would have to be a prosecuting attorney, I would think, unless he's just taking... Unless it's just civil cases, not criminal cases, which if it is, then they wouldn't be necessarily getting jail time. I don't know. I was very confused with his whole work thing, but of course that doesn't matter. That's just a part of the the narrative um, to make him a more likable character, I guess, um, or his his persona to be more upstanding, an upstanding guy. And what a creep. He uses his position that seems so so holy to just like get his fix he's able to see the battered women Ugh. pretty makes pretty messed me up so angry makes me so angry and just also makes grace's claims more unbelievable like my husband is the biggest best def- you know attorney for and like voice and advocate for women of domestic abuse but yet here I am being abused. Like, it just doesn't line up. It makes her story yeah. really unbelievable. Mm-hmm. No one, everyone's like, of course he's got a perfect home life. There's no way he could ever abuse women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gross. Ugh. I am real over Jack Angel. Ugh. And, like, that's the thing. He's a fictional character, and I just wish terrible things upon him. Because, <laughs> like, the sixth thing he's is, also... you know, there are people out him. They're like him out there, you know? All right. And he's pretty smart, unfortunately. He seems to always be one step ahead of Grace until he gets a little too cocky and she outsmarts him. Mm-hmm. But it's just crazy that he mm-hmm. basically plans out. He like has this foresight to plan for things that seems crazy. Like he plans for her escape attempt and he's got everybody on board that she's unstable. And he seems like such a great guy as he's gonna take in her handicapped sister and so it just it's crazy it's crazy the the dedication he has just to this story well and also i'm so curious you know it says that he was never married but i'm wondering how much practice did he have beforehand he thought a lot of this through and i'm very curious as to how much i'm curious as to what happened were there other women that he abused and tortured like this well, that's what's crazy because he almost couldn't have mm-hmm. to make this appearance. Like almost couldn't have had practice legitimately. You know, of course he makes these trips to Bangkok or or Thailand to uh, satisfy his desires, but it seems like he has been holding out mm-hmm. until he's got it perfect. I'm just making yeah, angry noises now. I can't. I can't have an intelligent conversation about this man because he just makes me angry. Well, I mean, Tori, maybe, kind of like you said, like, there were so many red flags. Maybe he did try this before, but someone else seen those red flags that Grace missed. Could be. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, and maybe there was another woman who was like, you know what? I'm not going to quit my job. I enjoy my job. And maybe that was the nail in the coffin. So, right. I don't know. It's just very... Well, and also he says that he watched her the week before. I wonder how long he spent watching her, almost surveilling her in a way, like watching her with Millie and watching mm-hmm. their interactions. He's Creepy. like an episode of Criminal Minds. He genuinely is. He is 
a psychopath. All right. I'm fired up now. (laughs) (laughs) Are we ready for Millie? I am so ready for Millie. Yeah. I'm so ready for Millie. Millie is amazing. So Millie Harrington is has just turned 18 year 18 years old halfway through the book and she's basically the heroine of the story so she's grace's younger sister she's younger by 17 years and she does have down syndrome and so as such she lives at a special school where they're able to take care of her and kind of help teach her different life skills and she's going to classes throughout the day so it's a school that's built to help students who are like her kind of more of a individualized attention space she's super sweet but she also definitely has some spunk and so it's very obvious when she's upset (laughs) um it's she makes it very clear to you that she is upset and one of the things that is mentioned whenever grace is like telling us about millie is that um even though she has a limited vocabulary she is much more clever than people think she is um so people like jack tend to underestimate her because her vocabulary is kind of broken, um, and she doesn't really communicate as as well as people think that she should. So it's easy to underestimate her mental processes, but the fact that she is very much aware that Jack pushed her down the stairs speaks volumes. And so she so easily could have been seen as a victim. Like the reason that Jack wants her is because he thinks she's going to be easier to scare, and he basically just wants to feed off of her fear. He thinks that because she has Down syndrome, he's going to be able to horrify her and just make her scream and freak her out and scare her and basically cause her to die from fear. And so where she could have so easily been seen as the victim of this story, like if Jack's sadistic, twisted plan had played out, she would have been. Millie is kind of the one who lights a fire under Grace and says, hey, get your act together. I'm supposed to come live with you. Help me. You know, she says that he's a bad man. She doesn't want to go live with him. She says, you know, are you are you fixing this? What are you going to do? And she's the one who gives these sleeping pills. Like, she has put together this plan where she fakes not being able to sleep just so that she can get sleeping pills, just so that she can give those sleeping pills to her sister to kill Jack. Incredible. Like, she is very much the hero of the story. Plus, I love the term uh, wonderfully spontaneous. I just, I love that so much. And I just think that she's such a sweet character, but she's got a lot of fire. And I think that without her, without her spunk, things could have gone much more poorly. So I love Millie. I think she's amazing. I really just wanted to see her kick Jack in the shins, but it is what it is. <laughs> she's a little spitfire. And she, her ideas are some of the driving forces behind Grace's actions. I very much prefer um, Millie to Grace. (laughs) So, um, yeah, she pretty amazingly makes that plan to get sleeping pills because she kind of listens to these true crime stories, I guess. So I thought that was dope. Like, she actually (laughs) came up with this whole story that she couldn't sleep and tricked everybody. She's like, of Mm -hmm. course, I I sleep fine. (laughs) So that's pretty awesome. Well, and she also came up with this idea of to get them to the hotel. Right. So that she could go talk to her sister in private because she's like, oh, I'm going to do a report on it. I have to do it for school. Right. So she knows she knows <laughs> that she'll be able to go to the bathroom with Grace so they're able to speak alone. So, yeah, she creates this diversion in school where she's got a report back. So Jack pretty much has no choice but to take her. Millie for president 2020. All right, then we get to some of uh, Grace and Jack's friends. Diane and Adam and Esther and Rufus are two couples um, that they're friends with, and Adam works with him, I'm yep, pretty sure. he's an attorney. Yeah, and then Rufus, they went golfing. Yeah, he's just... Together. Yeah, not much is said about him. Golfing buddies. Yeah. Rufus is just there so, to get Esther in the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus and Adam both are kind of flat characters who are there for one purpose mm-hmm. and uh rufus's is to get esther in the story as we've said and adam's is to be the one who like breaks the news that jack is dead um but diane is awestruck with jack and grace's relationship and she seems to me just she's a character meant to like 
fan the fire of how perfect everything is yep. and how great their relationship is and kind of the the highlight of that, I guess. Right. She very much seems like a sh- super shallow character. She just basically uses Jack and Grace's relationship to compare to her own and, and, and say like, hey, Adam, why aren't you doing what Jack is doing for Grace? Instead of looking deeper into her friends' relationships, why do they never hang out by themselves? Why, you know, why doesn't she have a job? Or, or So it just seems very, she's dropped so many balls as a friend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think she definitely rants and raves. And Grace makes a point to mention that she thinks that Diane is kind of like a little bit in love with Jack, kind of wishing that she had met him first, which I think is quite ironic because... She's like, oh, he's so good looking and he's got everything together and she's got this beautiful house and yada, yada, yada. And in all actuality, it's just, okay, you don't have any idea what's going on. So yeah, she is a very shallow character. And I think really she's there to help, again, to help kind of drive the conversation between Esther and Grace. So I think we uh, talked a little bit about it, but Esther is the thorn in Grace's side at the beginning, but... Uh, she also presents this hope that this hope for Grace that someone is starting to question the perfect exterior. So she hopes that Esther continues to question, but also is is nervous because it presents her with or presents Jack rather with opportunities to test her and opportunities to punish her if she doesn't answer in a way that kind of stays Esther's questioning. You know, deep down, she really hopes that Esther keeps realizing that there's something's not quite right and it's super cruel when when esther does bring her the book and jack basically says hey you better read this because she's expecting you to discuss it with her next week when we go to dinner or whatever and he plays this little joke where he pretends to be esther and hides a message in the pages of the book so that of at first grace has this has this moment of of she's reaching out she realizes that something's wrong but kind of figures it out that that jack has laid this trap for her so he doesn't she doesn't fall for it but she's still hoping that esther has esther realizes that something's wrong which she ultimately does in the end and she helps helps grace figure out her story when jack does pass away a couple of really cool things about Esther, like she shows up out of nowhere, um, even though Jack is like, oh, you shouldn't just randomly show up at our house. You should wait and we'll plan something or we'll meet you somewhere. Like you shouldn't just randomly come over. And she does anyway. She's like, I'm bringing you this book. He's like, because he makes a comment. He goes, mm-hmm. oh, if Grace wants to read this book, she'll just buy it herself. Esther's like, I'm bringing you the book because um, she is yeah. not having it. And real quick, I was I put in the notes for this for this episode that um I wanted to read off the names of her kids. So she has a little boy named Sebastian and a little girl. I'm so excited about this name because I love this name. But her name is Ashling. So I just love the name Ashling. It's like a super Celtic name and I adore it. So whenever I saw it, I was like, I love Esther even more because she gave her kids cool names. Uh, I don't particularly love Sebastian because it makes me think of that uh, movie with Amanda Bynes that. She's the man. Oh, yeah. Every teacher ever will mispronounce her name for sure. Um, <laughs> it's like right up there with Aoife and Siobhan and Neve. But I just I love the Ashling. But anyway, she uh, she has these two kids and she's just so fascinated with their life with uh, Grace's life. And I just think she's just a really amazing character. And I think at first, like Grace thinks that she's nosy. But in the end, it's that nosiness and that quick-wittedness that really just saves Grace's life. And she's a teacher, too. Like, she doesn't she work like a co-op or something with teaching, I think? She, like, does job sharing or something. Yeah. So a teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She definitely is trained to pick up on those things, I think. And, I mean, coming from a place, like, in education... Jade, you are a teacher, so you see this more than I do. Um, <laughs> I mostly work out of a counseling office, but whenever you have students who come in who have had bad things that happen at home, like you're almost conditioned to start picking those students out. Like you kind of start to condition yourself to see the signs of like something's not as it seems. 
this kiddo. So I think that she may have used some of those skills. That could just be or be reprojecting and giving her more amazing skills than she has. But at the end of the day, Esther is awesome. And she is hands down my favorite character besides Millie. And then last, but certainly not least, Grace's parents. So um, they suck. Is, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, okay. So, like, yes. But also, no. They yeah, wanted to abort Millie, which, regardless of how you feel about abortion, um, they wanted to, and Grace talked them out of it. So how, like, should they treat Millie correctly and properly? Absolutely. If you decide to have a kid, you should treat it like a person, period, dot. Like, no discussion. But they also didn't want this kid from the beginning. She right. wasn't planned. She was an accident. You know, their daughter was fully grown, well, almost fully grown and out of the house. And they didn't want her. And Grace talked them into it. So I, they suck. They're terrible. But I understand. Yeah, yeah I well, definitely also- do. It would be hard to be older with a, a child on the way that you know is going to have some uh, disabilities and then kind of your teenage daughter is is throws this big temper tantrum so you're kind of guilted mm-hmm. into keeping your kid so I get it definitely it just is it's unfortunate that it was so easy for them to kind of step out of of their lives you know so nobody questions the changes that happen in Grace's life because, you know, she doesn't really have, neither Millie or or Grace really have parents that question why their lives are changing. Mm-hmm. So, that kind well, of sucks. if I remember correctly, did, did they even want children to begin with? Like, I don't think they wanted Grace either. They didn't. No. Okay, that's, that's what I was thinking. To their credit, they definitely are unsure of how to navigate what's been dealt to them um in both ways right the fact that they didn't want a child to begin with but also they do kind of kind of suck yeah they do the the, they do the best they can i guess in the situation but it it, right it makes it makes jack's you know jack's life easier which i think is why he you know that's what he looked for so right and it's not like they were they were in a I would say, like, at worst, they were a little bit neglectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were never, like, outwardly, at least that we know of, abusive. Right. So, like, we can sit here saying they're terrible parents, you know, they're bad. But they're – a lack of love it does not mean they were – like, I don't know. I don't want to live without love for my parents. But it's not, like, actual physical abuse. I don't know. Right. Absolutely. No, it's they were just, line. like, not attentive. They, they, they weren't attentive to their children. Which is, a, again, not a crime. It's just you're not the best parent. So. Right. All right. So I think that wraps up our character discussion. And now we move on to different ideas to discuss. The fun part. <laughs> so her writing style. Past, first, present. So each chapter was wrote in the present. And then it would flash back to the past. And then you'd have a present chapter. And then you'd flash back to the past. Which I normally hate. Honestly, like in books and in movies, I flashback style isn't my writing, mm-hmm. but I didn't hate this because I felt like it built suspense more than you could if you told it in a single storyline. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. And I will say, so Jade, I am not generally a look at the end of the book kind of person, but there were a couple points in this one where she would stop talking from the present or the past section and I would just go on real quick. To see like what happens next before I read that next little section, particularly whenever it came to Molly, uh, I knew they were coming back, and I was yes. like, "So help me, like I need to just brace myself for this." Y'all already know how I feel about hurting animals in books. We know the reaction I had to sell when the woman ripped off the dog's or the man ripped off the dog's head. Okay, mm-hmm. like this was even yeah. more amplified. Why do we keep... Ooh, I know. <laughs> so, I like every book we've talked about has abuse. <laughs> Animal abuse. Mm-hmm. What is that thing about so animals? Far, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst. And I knew it. I just knew it was going to happen. As soon as he introduced the dog, I was like, this dog oh, is not yeah. going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you just see it coming. You're like, oh, no. It's like seeing somebody in a red shirt on Star Trek. You know what's going to happen to them. You know they're not going to yeah. make it. You still kind of hope they do. 
but so yeah i also i really did i think she was super effective with the writing style um she pieced it together in such a way that it just fit everything flowed really well as we jumped back and forth so i thought that was really cool but it gave it also another layer when we have the wedding narrative but then we go back and millie's like hey dude he's a bad guy (laughs) so it is cool how she fills in those gaps but in a way that's Mm -hmm. not super straightforward it's just interesting it gives the book another dynamic that i enjoyed i don't mind different writing styles i think it it makes things interesting but i agree it can be distracting as well as if it's poorly executed just super ineffective but i think that paris did a great job absolutely and i think also because it was very clearly marked like this is what we're doing now because I think some authors get into this thing where I'm, they're like, I'm going to switch the timeline on you, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to It gets confusing. You, or I'm going to switch the character. Who- yeah, exactly. And so this is very, it was very much a guided um, walk through the past. And I really appreciated mm-hmm. that. I'm curious, though, as to why she chose this writing style. We could uh, come up with a reason, I'm yeah. sure, but it would be speculation. <laughs> so we Lots do that. planning, I'm sure, went into that. Storyboarding, <laughs> trying to make things oh, yeah. flow. Oh, absolutely. Well, and so I read a little bit. So in the back of the physical copy of the book, it talks about like her writing process and how she created her characters. And she definitely had very like a very storyteller approach to it. And like from a theatrical standpoint, I appreciated that interview with her. And she said something about how like she came up with the characters and she had no idea how they were going to turn out. She had no idea where the story was going to take her. And like she mentioned, she has had no idea how evil Jack was going to become. She just kind of let the characters go where they were going to go um, and become who they were going to become. So I just kind of think of it. If you've seen that movie, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, it's kind of that same idea. Like you create the characters and then you kind of let them do their own thing. Um, obviously, you don't have random people running through your house at two o'clock in the morning. But I think it's a really interesting way that she created those characters. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm sure that it's a very... <laughs> Good reference. <laughs> I don't either, so, so it's okay, Tori. We're on the same page. So basically, the too long didn't read version is that she created a character like she liked a character enough, and she's like, "I want this, and I want I want this yeah. character, and I want this character. Let's let them play off of each other and see what happens." And so, like the reference I was making to that movie is it's about Charles Dickens writing oh. a Christmas Carol, and so he comes up with the basic cool. characters, and basically they act out the story in front of him as he writes it and it's like a play on what's going on inside of his mind yeah that's definitely cool. go watch that movie yeah sorry that's what i was trying to get at sometimes i make references and realize that <laughs> like they're super obscure and nobody understands them except for me <laughs> and like i'm like welcome welcome to being a teacher who's older than your students <laughs> right <laughs> like whenever you make a joke and you think it's so funny and everyone just looks at you like what <laughs> They don't get it. They have no idea. (laughs) Uh, But yes, that's what I was trying to say with that, was that she kind of let the characters create themselves, which I thought was really fascinating. Okay, so let's talk about some of the quotes from the book that really just resounded with us and things that we pulled from it. So who wants to go first with, with their quote from this book? I hate to say favorite quote because they're kind of horrific. So yeah, mine's not a favorite. It just was... A quote that stood out to me at the point of the book where I was like, this mother. So um, (laughs) basically when Grace is still in Thailand and their time is running out. And so she's kind of gleaned from uh, her time on the balcony that that Jack is giving her a little more time each day. Finally, she decides to get help from the Spanish couple in the next room. And when she gets there... She bangs on the door, and lo and behold, Jack opens the door. So the quote is, I actually expected you before tonight, he said, laughing at the shock on my face. I was beginning to think I'd got you wrong. I had almost begun to believe that you had heeded my warning after all and wouldn't attempt to escape. Of course, I would have been. it would have been better for you if you had, but much less fun for me. I must admit, I would have been disappointed if all my hard work had gone to waste. So basically the point of the book where we realize just how 
messed up Jack is. How dedicated to this narrative he is. He's gone to all this trouble to map out Grace's steps. And he's, this is where she realizes that he's like one step ahead of her every time. So there was no Spanish couple. Spanish she heard was just him talking to himself. And so (laughs) just really realizing what a mastermind he is. Well, just like the fact that he went to those lengths, what a monster he is too. He's been sitting there waiting for her to try and escape just so he can have a little just bit of Just sitting fun. there, just leaving, leaving her on the balcony while he just sits in the next room. Also, weird. skin cancer. Skin cancer. This woman is from England. They are not used to the sun. And he's making her yeah, sit on sucks. a balcony for hours at a time in the hot Thailand sun. She is going to have like, How the hell does no cancer. one see this? She says that her balcony is visible from the pool, and I know she moves out of the way, but she's on there for hours every day. Well, but also people may think like, oh, this poor girl from England who never gets to see the sun, she's probably sitting on her balcony, like, trying to get a good tan. Yeah. Skin cancer. Also, you can... (laughs) You can pay to watch violence happen in Thailand, so maybe people are just like, mm, "Don't I don't see anything? I don't say anything." Right, could be. Yeah. Well, and she- I don't. I've never been to Thailand, so I don't want to talk bad about the country. Right. But from this book, want to make and from the areas I'm assuming they're staying right, we in. We want to make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it says something because I also picked a quote that was specifically about Jack. It's on page one thirty or. Is it? Yeah. 76 on my online version, but it's probably more like 70 on like a paper version. Um, And it says, he prides himself, Jack, on uttering only the truth and enjoys that I am the only one who understands the meaning behind his words. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. the whole book we get, the first chapter, we hear all these like things and he says, he says stuff and we're like, well, that has like a deeper meaning, but we don't know what that is. And then as we learn more, we know more. But her friends still don't know, like, the like the meaning behind it. And as the book goes on, whenever he says things like, oh, I can't wait for Millie to live with me, we're like, oh, yikes, no. But only because we are in, you know, we're in on it, and we know the double entendre. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. How many things do we miss like that in our daily life? Or, like, how, like, I say things to my, my husband that are double entendres, but... You know, like, they're not obviously this. Right, right. Negative. Um, <laughs> I hope not. But, you know, like, we just miss things. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, Yikes. seriously, um. his one that's really stuck out to me at the beginning where he's like, oh, yeah, she, Grace is such a good painter, and she even paints me pictures that are just for our eyes. And, of course, you're like, oh, they're freaking kinky, weird. But really, right. it's, some, it's some messed up, violent portraits. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, exactly. When you read when you read the book a second time, there's even more that you miss, like right. going through you're just like oh, I'm oh, sure. yuck. How did I not see this? But anyways. See, I wanna read So mine's also a Jack quote, which I say See, I wanna read it a second time, but I don't think I can emotionally deal with it. I was just so <laughs> furious. Whenever I tell you guys I couldn't sleep last night. I legitimately could not sleep last night because I was just so fired up. My poor husband was asleep. And at one point I actually woke him up and I was like, let me tell you about this jerk. I was, I was on one. It was real bad. Snoozy, snoozy. I don't think so. <laughs> he was very sweet. That's what you said yeah. to him. He was very sweet <laughs> and listened to me. But then he was like, okay, you're being very cute. I love how passionate you are about this. I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So mine, I don't remember exactly where this was from. I remember the quote, but then I couldn't find it in the book, so I just looked it up. This is one where Grace is at one of her parties, and she's, you know, playing the part of the perfect hostess and the perfect wife, and realizing that no one can see what she's going through. And the quote is, I look around at everybody laughing and joking together and struggle to understand my life has become a living hell that nobody present could even begin to imagine. And I think it's just a really good reminder of like what it people are going through things. Maybe it's not that they have a psychopath husband who has a red room filled with paintings of battered women in the basement. Maybe it's something else. So I think it's definitely like a good call of people are going through things. 
no matter what they're putting on the outside. I think it's just like a good reminder to just check in on people because you never know what people are going through and you never know what they're struggling with. So that one just, that one hit me in the guts really hard. This whole book did. This book was really hard to get through. Not going to lie. I remember reading through it and thinking, I'd almost rather read one of Tori's horror novels right now. Well, stay tuned (laughs) to next week because that's exactly what you're going to be doing. (laughs) See, I read this one before, though. Like, I know I can survive this one. Um, But, like, I was, I got to a point where I first started reading this book where I I didn't want to finish it. Like, I didn't want to finish it because it was just so horrific. But then just the fact that there are people who go through this. That was definitely that drive to keep reading it, um, but it sucked. It really sucked. But it was so good. It sucked, but it was so good. Alrighty, final thoughts on Behind Closed Doors. I obviously recommend it, because I picked it for this week, and I've got three of my teacher friends reading it. Um, I can't get enough of it. I don't know. I've, I've already read it twice, Danielle. I could read it a third time. I... I just told Jeremy that he needs to listen to the audiobook so that we can discuss it at home. I don't, maybe I don't love the premise, but I think it's so well wrote and so like engaging that you just, I, yeah, read it, must read, read again. It's definitely a must read. I think because I'm such a feeler, that's just who I am. Like I start to take on, whenever I'm reading a book like this, I start to take on emotions. I found myself freaking out a little bit while I was reading this book, but it was fantastic. I'll definitely read it again in the future. I'm not sure when I would recommend it to people because it is very good. Yeah, it's definitely not one that I would have picked up myself, um, but I think it's super important to diversify your reading list. So um, I appreciate it being included. I think I've already discussed a little bit of my qualms with character development or the way that Paris writes her characters. You know, there's my critiques. However, I really, really enjoy her writing style, the way she... Some very intense planning went into writing this book. So I think her Mm -hmm. writing style makes up for what I think her characters lack. It was a good one. Diversifying your reading list is like her nice way of saying that she's going to make me read more horror novels and she's going to enjoy it. And we are definitely, I'm putting more B.A. Paris on the list. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) We'll come around again. Yep. It'll be a good time. So, um... I guess that's our discussion on uh, Behind Closed Doors, and thank you for tuning in. Please come back next episode. We will be discussing Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Dun, dun, dun. So, yep. It'll be a good one. I'm excited. One of my favorites. I'm going to get my weighted blanket. It's going to prepare myself. So do we have any, um, have you have you guys read Frankenstein before? Do we have any preconceptions pre-con- going in to next episode, or are we starting fresh? I've never, I only know, like, the myth of Frankenstein. I don't know. I've never read the story. Perfect. I've never, I don't even think I've watched a full movie about it, so I'm coming in completely blank. I like it. That's what I like. That's what I want. (laughs) So, I feel like (laughs) I've read the book before. I can't exactly remember it. I know that I've read Dracula before, and I feel like it was that same year in high school whenever I read Frankenstein, but I genuinely don't remember anything about the book, so... I know it will not be as enjoyable as The Young Frankenstein, uh, which I may have to watch <laughs> to get myself through reading all these horror novels. But I'm very excited. Dude, to I will. Yeah, I'll definitely watch Young Frankenstein. I tried to watch Frankenstein last night, the original 1931 movie, mm-hmm. but it is. You have to rent it on Amazon, which I probably still will do before we do the, you know, we record the episode. But I was. I was taken back that it wasn't included with Prime, so right. a little salty, Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll dispel some uh, misconceptions of of Frankenstein and uh, Frankenstein, and I am looking forward to it. Like I said, one of my favorite books. I also, I think, the same year in high school, I read Dracula, and I, I if you're trying to read through the classic horror novels. Skip Dracula, read Frankenstein. <laughs> Can I like Dracula, it's just pretty boring. It is very <laughs> it's pretty boring. It's like, you have to really be dedicated. It's like the Wuthering Heights of the horror world. 
like just kind of roll through it. <laughs> Alrighty, with that, um, thanks for tuning in. Please drop a comment, like, or share on this episode. Uh, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this, and BRB for now. BRB. BRB.